Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Man, I feel like a woman. This is Sandra Beck on Powered Up Talk Radio, and we have show number two of our four-part series in Do the Impossible with Mary M. Webster. That's Mary M. with an M. And we have completed one show. You guys aren't going to want to miss this. And If you're picking this up, this is show number two. There's also three and four. You can find us on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. You can go to PoweredUpTalkRadio.com and listen there. Or you can go to our host station, Toginet.com, out of Texas, and pull the feeds from there. Because this is a really, really important series that we're putting together. We're helping women transition and change and support them and understand, you know, what they're going through when they're going through and facing, you know, impossible odds or even just very difficult odds because, you know, as we all know, life throws us curveballs, life changes, nature changes, and when we have a tool set with which to work with, and some of these tool sets are just different ways of thinking. Uh, when I was going through my own, you know, dramatic moments, I would turn to books and radio and television, and I came across Mary M. Webster, who wrote this book called Everyday Bliss for Busy Women. And I've got to tell you, at the first time I, I looked at it, I was like, uh-huh, yeah, right, because like busy women can have everyday bliss well you know what you can I did I did these practices I read her book Uh, I actually contacted her for some sessions because I wanted to understand some things and I need you to know that no money was exchanged this isn't a relationship this isn't a paid advertisement for her product this is me bringing to the airwaves something that worked for me when I handled the sandwich problems that I had of death divorce grief uh, and foreclosure and financial situation uh, these are the tools some of the tools that helped me out of there and Miriam Webster is a 30-year career as a successful psychotherapist She's written that great book, Everyday Bliss for Busy Women. She's the founder of the profession of energy coaching, which is really cool because energy coaching girls doesn't need money. It doesn't need pills. It doesn't need workout equipment, and it doesn't need a babysitter. So when she does her thing and teaches her thing that she has helped thousands of women, professional women, going through catastrophic life and work and relationship changes to do the impossible, which is heal yourself, she has herself 
herself healed herself. You can find more out about Miriam at everywomanchanges.com front slash powered up, just like our show, Powered Up Talk Radio. So, Miriam, we're going to pick up where we left off after uh, show number one, and we're going to start with, I think, you know, this, I want to talk about the pressure of time, because, you know, time, and then sometimes I've got to tell you, I get so overwhelmed, I don't do anything, and that's just, it's not a good place to be, and I find myself going in an all-or-nothing mode, and I don't know if that's part of survival mode, I can't wait for you to, to, to help me with this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sandra. And I wanted basically to tell everybody, you know, if you're interested in all of this, it's in the book, Everyday Bliss for Busy Women, and you can get it now on Kindle, so you can download it to your phone even and take it on the go, a lot of the processes that we're going to be using through these shows. And you talk about the pressure of time. That's We talked last time about your bliss list and your shadow list. This is something that most everybody is going to put on their shadow list. There's never enough time. I've heard it a billion times if I've heard it once. I don't have enough time for all the things I have to do in the day. You were talking last time about all the things, the activities the kids have. And as a busy mom, you know, you never have time for all the things the kids want to do and your stuff too. Am I right? Oh, God, I don't have time to pee. I mean, let's be real here. There's there's no time in my day that is not obligated, multitasking, multi-everything, and it's exhausting. I feel like I was shot out of a cannon at 6.30 in the morning, and that cannonball does not hit the sheets till 11.30. And then I set my alarm, Maryam, and I go, oh, my God, there's like seven hours till I have to do it again. So that then that is exactly what I mean. I, you re- remind me of a, I had a, a CEO client that she's CEO of a startup, which is you know ten times as bad as as a you know an established company because you are on call twenty four seven, and she had she came to me because she had literally scheduled bathroom breaks in her planner, and had her assistant come tap her on the shoulder and say it's time for your potty break, and she realized oh, yeah? when that happened. She had gone too far. <laughs> yeah, no, I have friends who do that with their cell phones. It, it makes them, it, they do a vibrate that they can get up, walk around, use the bathroom because you can sit, especially on the computer, for hours on end, not realizing your bladder is about to burst till you stand up. So, yeah, right on, sister. Yeah. So, one of the things that I, I just wanted, to, I call this the tyranny of time in, in the book. And it's three, there's three things. Three things that you've got to know to free yourself uh, from the tyranny of time. First of all, if you've been following along with us and making a shadow list of all the stuff that you really need to get past, put time, how it manifests for you, as in I got no time, everything takes too much time, the kids are overscheduled, I'm overscheduled, we don't have time for a date night, date night, what's that? Um, That kind of thing. Put that on your shadow list. And those are the things you're going to work on. And remember, your bliss list is the things that you insert every day. And I recommend three items from your bliss list every single day. I just want to talk a little bit more about the bliss list. What this is are easy, doable things. Now, we can put a massage on there, but that's not an every single day treat unless you're you know, really in that zone and then you don't probably need any of this. But little things you can do for yourself. I mentioned that I make a time to play with my cat several times a day. I also make time to get outside and just stand in the sun 
you know, that's when it's not raining, of course. And if it is raining, I have a porch that's a covered porch, and I just make time to get outside. I do a little yoga, you know, just do 10, 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be huge. If you've got no more than five minutes and you're in a corporate office, we said last time, shut yourself in the bathroom stall. You know, sit there, meditate, you know, just have some time to yourself. No devices, by the way, ladies, turn it off. Turn it off, not on vibrate, okay, because that's still one of those warnings that jangles our nerves and causes that adrenaline and cortisol to flow. Remember, it makes us sad. It ages us. So turn everything off. Unplug for just five minutes, three times a day, whatever that is. At, at nighttime, one of the things I do is I tend to my cuticles. I just, you know, I, I make a time to massage my hands and my feet. I trim and, you know, oil my cuticles, do things like that. It's a very small thing. It takes five minutes. But I go to bed, man, I sleep like a top. This is a cue for us when we're, we have that insomnia. Or like you, Sandy, if we're setting the clock and, oh, golly, I've only got five hours, seven hours, whatever it is, is to massage your hands and feet very deeply. Like go a little further than you think you should with it. A hands and feet, when you get your hands and feet done, there are points on your hands and feet that replicate the entire body, all of the organs are replicated on the bottoms of the hands and the uh, bottoms of the feet and the, and the palms of the hands. So when you massage your hands and feet completely, you're giving each of the organs in the body a little micro-massage that helps the entire system be healthier. And that's a cue to also sleeping really well, really deeply without taking pills. So three things you've got to know to free yourself from the tyranny of time. First of all, multitasking is impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. We can't do it. Uh, we, we think, well, I can do two things at once. I can read and I can watch TV, for instance. Or I can, I can watch TV and I can write this report. You don't, actually. You spend 10 seconds on the report, 10 seconds watching TV, and you go back and forth, back and forth. And the more that we divide our time with more tasks piled on, the less we do the poorer work we do, I mean, the quality of our work goes down whew, the more we pile on. And over time, the more uh, the, the pieces of our brain that have to do with focus, the more degraded those become. So just know that this is a lie. You cannot multitask. We cannot do it all is the second thing. Some things are going to have to drop off your plate. If we've bought into this myth of superwoman, that's the third thing. Superwoman does not exist except in fiction. Fictional character. We have been sold this lie that you can have it all. You can have the career. You can have the kids. You can have the vacation in Monte Carlo. You can have a, you know, a high-end car, and you can have it all. And if you don't, well, it's your fault. You can have the heart attack, you can have the high blood pressure, exactly. you can have the hair falling out, you can have the stress-related anxiety disorder. Yep. <laughs> I'm just adding to your list. It's BS. It's total BS. And by BS, I mean it's a belief story. So get used to that term, belief story. We have been led to believe things that have become so institutionalized in our, inside ourselves, our families, and our culture that they seem like truths, but they're really not. They're BS. <laughs> so once we kind of know that all of this is not possible, multitasking, we can't do it all, and we cannot ever be superwoman, 
uh, Sandra just pointed it up, trying to accomplish too much in too little time can lead to serious illness. And relationship problems, Nine, 99% of divorce begins or is catapulted into the final end game because spouses don't have time for one another, don't make time, don't see that they need to make time, etc. Okay? I just want to say, let's, you know, that woman of the, the 90s, stop the insanity. Let's stop the insanity. Stop driving ourselves too hard. And instead, again, put your hand on your heart. Envision that beautiful person or thing that gives you peace and joy. Breathe through that into your heart and just calm down. When you think of your schedule and all you have to do, this is such a simple little tool, and let's, I want to add one more thing to it, your tummy, okay? Two inches below your belly button is your solar plexus. Let's put the hand there, one hand on the belly, one hand on the heart. And, Sandy, we've done this one before, haven't we? I love this. This works. This helped me get over my, like, seriously fear issues, anxiety, crap all around the, my billing for my company, which sounds so retarded, but that's me. At, you know, and it's not. Whatever you are frightened of, and the thing is, all that, all that stuff about, uh, about money, and we're going we're gonna to get into that in uh, about another 20 minutes, I think. Uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But all that stuff about money that we've been brought up with that's fear-based, oh, that is so part of the BS, the belief stories that we've been led to believe that just aren't true. They're just a story, just a story. So when you get into that and you, ah, 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 I can't, can't cope then put your hand on your heart, hand on your stomach. These are the two major in-go and out-go portals for energy in our body. They're where we take in these limiting beliefs. They're where we give off uh, our energy and give away our energy and where we lose our energy. And by the way, stay tuned because that's the next show. Okay, so be, be keeping an eye on this podcast. You're going to want to download all these shows. But for right now, hand on heart, hand on stomach. Well, and Miriam, you know what this reminds me of? It's like when Susan Sarandon, you know, mm -hmm. taught the baseball player in Field of Dreams to breathe out of his eyeballs. She put her hand on her heart, her hand on his belly, and she's like, okay, now breathe in, breathe out uh -huh. through your eyeballs, which was funny, you know, but, but it's kind of the same thing. And when you breathe out through your eyeballs, that technique, by the way, we, we do that for future casting. When we are, when we are she was setting that player's success in cement. You're breathing cool. out through your So it eyeballs. wasn't just, just goofing around with Hollywood. It, there's actually some reality to it. Yeah. Yeah, no fooling. Yeah, Susan Sarandon knows this stuff. She knows this stuff. So when you do that, you breathe out through your eyeballs. That's when you breathe through the intention you set for your f future self. You know, by gosh, I'm going to have this report done by Friday, and then I'm going to have this, that, and the other, and that's going to happen. Then you breathe that through your eyeballs because we see ourselves in the future, and half the time we get into a fear space, we're seeing something that doesn't really exist. Remember that acronym, FEAR. What is FEAR, F-E-A-R? Future. I don't know. Future. Outcomes appearing real that kind of thing. So we, we, okay. we look at, we make us, which again, it's a belief story out there. It's a future outcome, but it appears real, or excuse me, future event appearing real. Future event appearing real, F-E-A-R. 
Got it, right, right. If we're breathing out our eyeballs, then we are breathing into a new belief story that is more nurturing and supporting for our lives. We'll get into all that later. But anyway, just if we hone in on the stomach and the heart and we breathe in through that, whenever we encounter one of these belief stories, and then feel free to use that technique. Breathe the new belief story, what, what you'd really like to believe and have happen, what you would rather. We talked about reframes last time, how you would put a new frame around that incident, event, or thing you need to have done. And breathe that out into the future. And know this. Start meditating very deeply on two of the fundamental precepts of everyday bliss, which is one, nothing. Think about this. It's deep. Nothing is truly required of you. And you may be going to the immediate, but I have kids and they have to, you know what? Nothing is truly required of you. You could sit on your chair all day, do nothing, and the kids would find their own way, or your spouse would do it, or your neighbor would come over and something would happen. Yeah, that would not be ideal, but nothing is truly required of you. What does that mean? That means we make choices. Is that our have-tos and our shoulds and our, like... That like we get so stuck in ourselves, like like stuck in that program of what we need to do without even thinking. Yep. That means we make choices. The have tos, the coulda, woulda, shouldas. That's those are choices. We we make a choice to overload our plate, to overload our kids' plate, to to keep overloaded year after year, day after day, and. That leads to the second thing that's a really deep fundamental precept is you are the primary source of your own stress because you're making those choices. So even though it looks like, well, I'm in this horrible job and my boss is just a jerk and he's making me do this and he's making me do that, you know what? You don't have to stay in that job. You can walk your happy butt right off that job tomorrow or today if you want to get rid of the stress easier and sooner. And yes, you're going to have to find a new job, but just because, well, I've got a job and I don't want to look for another one and it's a hassle is not a reason to stay in a hassle situation, particularly if you're in a situation, ladies, where you're being abused or your children are. Walk your happy butt right on out of there today, please. Thank you very much. You tell them that Merriam-Webster said you've got to do this to save your own life. You have to. That is a situation where you are not at choice. You must leave that situation, particularly if the abuse is institutionalized. It's happened more than twice, by the way. Two incidents, one and two, are all you need to know that this is a pattern. There is no third strike here, ladies. The third strike could be you end up dead, or one of your kids does, or one of your kids ends up with a broken nose or a black eye, or you do. And that is way too much. There are no third strikes. Walk out. You do this to preserve your own health. And you do it because you respect yourself so much you cannot do anything else. Make sense? Yeah, it really does. It really does. And it, you know, I think if we slow down enough and stop for a minute and actually think about this, you're right. It makes sense. You're like, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do these things. And you're right. Consequences happen when you don't. But it's kind of the marriage between what is the consequence? What am I 
able to do and not do and what is realistic. I mean, there's, you know, just to slow down enough and think about that is enough that I think to, to start changing your life. So this goes to bliss blocker that I wanted to start discussing the bliss blockers and the bliss keys. We, we sort of alluded to them last time. Bliss blocker number one is living at warp speed, like we all are today. I think we all get that. And remember, Superwoman doesn't exist except in fiction. You cannot go around the world 90 times in a day. You do not own a cape, okay? Come on. Seriously, if that cape is on your shoulders invisibly because someone in authority put it there and said, you should be able to do this, you should be able to do that, take it off. Literally, I mean, in your mind's eye, just you know, unfasten it from your shoulders and throw it in the trash. Because that cape is a BS belief story. The bliss key to this is to slow way down. And I'm serious. And, and if you're going, I can't, you have no idea. You don't understand. I have all that. You know, okay, listen, we just discussed this. You're putting a lot of that stuff on yourself. Your kids don't have to each have, we discussed this last time, 12 activities apiece or, you know, what, whatever it is. And whatever You've got to look at, this is like budgeting, okay? You make your weekly, your monthly, your yearly budgets. And if you don't have a business, then you're doing that for your household. We all do it. You have to make a time budget. Particularly, this is, remember, this is to save your life. This is, no, this is serious. We are talking absolute deadly serious as a heart attack here because that's what we are preventing. Did you know? that a heart attack is the number one killer of women and that every year, excuse me, every 24 hours, every second of the day, 1,440 women die of a heart attack or heart-related disease. That's an entire village full of women every day. And we well, and that's what them. men used to do. You know, men used to keel over, and it's like now that we've taken yep. on the roles of men in a lot of areas, we're starting to keel over too. Exactly. So this is slow down. And if you find the idea of slowing down painful, like many of us in the West and all over the world, you're probably addicted to adrenaline. Adrenaline. And this is a natural hormone your body pumps out in response to stress. But it's what makes you, like, you know, when you have a near miss, you almost run over something, you know, an animal or a kid, or, you know, you almost get hit by another car and you're kind of go <gasps> like that. And your heart clenches and you get that, you know, your heart starts to race and you, you get that <laughs> feeling. That's what adrenaline does in your body. It causes your heart to race. It puts your entire system on red alert. And if you do this often enough, then your body is going to start craving adrenaline like a drug. It's like you're a heroin addict. It's, adrenaline is very close to heroin in, in the effects that it has on the body, okay? Um, heroin, what is heroin? If you've, never, if you've never heard about it, I used to uh, be a therapist for addicts. Heroin, never done heroin, never done drugs myself, um, past the odd joint in college and stuff like that, can't really handle drugs in this body. But my clients would tell me that heroin makes me feel like I can do anything. I've, I'm pumped up to the ceiling and I've got like, like this 360 degree view of the world. And I'm like, ah, you know, and people do things like jump off of buildings, of course, which is really not good. But uh, uh, adrenaline does the same thing to us. And when we start to crave it, then we create situations in our lives that support these, these kind of 
um, get me high on adrenaline things are occurring. Like we are consistently and always late. So we have to run, 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 rush, 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 rush. And it causes us to feel that, you know, the jolt of adrenaline as we are hurrying, we are rushing, which again, ladies, remember, takes, it, it puts packs pounds on and it ages us. All of these stress hormones, adrenaline triggers cortisol, which is the fat packing on hormone member, and all the rest of all the rest of the nasty hormones that really age the body tremendously. Even if you can't see it outside, you're aging on the inside. Your cells are dying and they are wrinkled, whether it's appearing on your face yet or not. Just know that. So it's slow way down. And to beat this ad- addiction. Uh, a couple of really just, you know, common sense tools. Drive the speed limit. Force yourself. Force yourself. I had a speeding habit. And what I had to do was I have an electric seat in my car. I would push the lever to pull back, pull my feet back from the gas pedal. So I had to actually stretch with my foot a little bit to get onto the gas pedal. That caused me to drive the speed limit. That's a big, huge help. You have no idea how much that helps. Drink only decaf tea and coffee and limit yourself to one or two of those a day and drink pure water all the time. And this is not water with junk in it, water with, you know, uh, power up, power up, power aid, you know, those power powders that we put in the water. Like a lot, I see a lot of uh, water bottles going around look pink and blue and so on. This is just pure water. You need, you need water going through you to flush these hormones out. And when there's sugar and other stuff in your water, it really doesn't perform that function. So we need to continually flush these hormones out when we are still getting them into our life. And we need the water to hydrate our system because the energy in your body does not flow well through a dehydrated mass. Also, avoid drugs. I mean, this is just common sense. And cultivated daily practice, like we talked about earlier, of setting yourself apart from the world, meditation, prayer, reading inspirational writings, etc., that kind of thing. Real important. The second bliss blocker that this goes to is rigidity. So when we have rigid attitudes, and this goes back to the, my kids have the 97 things they have to do after school, that's a rigid routine that can't be broken. And even physical and muscular rigidity, if you've got the constantly stiff neck, Sandra, weren't you talking about the muscles in your body were even starting to feel hardened? Oh, my God, my back, like right under my shoulder blades and my one side, it feels like there's a golf ball under there. You know, Mm -hmm. my neck is always tight. Like if I don't, like part of my thing that I learned from you and really put into practice was I take a really hot bath every night before I go to bed and I have a big bathtub and I stretch out. I stretch out my feet, I stretch out my hands, I stretch out my neck, I stretch out my back. I roll around on a tennis ball, you know, to try to get to that one spot because, you know, if you don't have anybody, like for me, I don't live with anybody, you know, other than my children. So it's not like, you know, they can do much other than sometimes they walk on my back. But, you know, you have to learn how to take care of yourself. And that that whole process can be 10 or 15 minutes at most. You know what I mean? I'm talking the bath, the, the, the tennis ball, the whole thing. But it is, if I don't have that, I can't go to sleep. It's like part of my sleep routine. And I... I, I just, I can't. I have to have, like, Pavlov's dog, you know, ring the bell, and this is what I do, and then I can go to sleep. 
And that is that shows up in the body. That's what the tyranny of time does to the body. And when we're rigid, we can't tolerate situations or reactions outside this, like the narrow bandwidth of this tightly defined parameter. And I've got way too much, and da da da. And that puts us in line for disappointment, frustration, and sometimes getting angry with folks that you know, or maybe just trying to help us. You know, so well, or the, just the, wanting to be with you. Like I can share with you this mommy moment that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I had like six things going on, and it was really, really a very, very difficult day for me. And my little guy came up and he says, "Mommy, I'm going to work with you." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" You know. <laughs> and he plunks down next to me with his new book, you know, his Diary of a Wimpy Kid book, and he's like, "Look, Aww. mom, isn't this funny? Hey, mom, what's this word? Hey, mom, look at me. I'm reading like you." Hey, Mom, what happens if I hit this button on the what? (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know, and in a perfect world, you know, and I really had to ratchet it back. I had to, like, look, he needs time and attention from me. I've got to put my clients on hold. i got to ratchet back my thinking because I was kind of in the zone of what I was doing. And I, like, took a deep breath, and then I picked him up, and I said, come on, let's go sit on the couch and read, and he's like, mom, you squeezed me really tight, are you mad at me, and I was like, you know, <laughs> no, but your mom's a freak, I mean, I, I just said that in my head, you know, I'm like, because switching gears from role to role, you know, as a working mother, or a single working mother, is really, really hard to switch those gears, because kids are slow, and fun, and easy, and work is fast, and frustrating, and it's like, all that builds up in your body, I, you just highlighted something. I don't want to step over. This is, this is amazing. I was going to talk about this in a future show, but I think this is – you just said it. Kids are so amazing, and they're actually – it turns out they know a whole lot that we've forgotten. And they are the, – the bliss key to here is to this rigidity is flexibility. So what – the element of a situation that has the most flexibility, by the way, will control that situation. So if you don't care if you leave at three or five – it doesn't matter to you, and everyone else is freaking out, then you get to be calm. Okay, that's how that works. And kids get this. Kids are in the moment. We talked about the power of now and being in the moment. And kids are absolute exemplars of this. And what your son was doing was he was being a very powerful teacher for you of being in the moment. I'll never forget the Dalai Lama was uh, spending time with a young man. With um, He was autistic. And the mother had come to present him to the Dalai Lama. This was uh, when he was in 2001 at Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View, California, and I was one of the crowd. And he greeted the mother. The mother was a longtime student of his. And then he spent a long time with this young man, and he turned to the mother and said, Mother, here is your teacher. Everybody broke down. And it was just like that, that kind of like, because this young man was so in the moment and he reached up and he'd given the Dalai Lama a hug and, and the Dalai Lama hugged him back and big smiles. And the mother was looking stressed and she had asked about something to do with this particular thing about, you know, the time having trouble finding time meditating um, or something to that effect. And he said, mother, here's your teacher. And I think for all of us, kids know what we've forgotten and that's precious. And when we get that, that was that was a lesson for you, Sandy, right out of, you know, spirit was handing you that on a silver platter and you got it. I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And we need to look at our kids that way. 
Well, thank you. It didn't feel beautiful at the time. It was like, oh, my God, what do I do? Who do I choose? Sophie's Choice, you know, you know that whole thing. And then I just was like, all right, he's not going to be young forever. He needs this. I need this. And then exactly. we just sat down, you know. And the, what was funniest, when I went back to work, I, you know, you know, half an hour later, I went back and did my work. And, you know, everything was fine. The world didn't fall apart because I stepped out of my like the, the, the roller coaster or the carousel that is my life. It, you know, all that happened was the kid, you know, my Zach and I shared a moment and we enjoyed it. And then we both went on our merry way. So let's, let's take it, let's be, let's take it real and take it into an exercise just very briefly now where we can get our time back. You want to do that? Yeah. Fantastic. So remember we talked about slowing down. So just right now, visualize with me, if you had a speedometer attached to your chest, what would it register clocking the speed of your life? If you're pushing it into the red in particular, are you going 80 miles an hour? Are you in the 35 zone? Are you, like, you know, way in the green, you know, you doing well, going at the speed limit, so to speak, or are you way in no, the red? 95. <laughs> It's shaking up at the top. I could see it. When you did that imagery, I'm like, I didn't see the red. I just saw the needle at 95 shaken. There you go. Shaken. Yeah. Yeah. The car is about to fly apart here. Okay, great. So just get an idea of that. And then that's a benchmark. I love benchmarks. So wherever you are, folks, write that down. Write down your number or write down the color you are. Some people see it going in green, going in the red, or see a number like you did, Sandy. And it's real important to keep track of where you've been and where you're going. So this is where I encourage us keeping a bliss journal. Journal this kind of stuff. Write things down. It's important because we we can fool ourselves in our heads, you know, going back thinking, well, gee, I think it was this last week. Uh, It it makes sense to write down. Anyhow, going forward, I want to share with you a little technique called your own personal time generator. And just take your average day, divide it into... 20-minute segments, and I write this down, make a little chart. There's a chart in the book, Everyday Bliss for Busy Women, Uh, but you can do this just on a piece of paper, 20-minute segments, and then make four categories across the top of the page, work, self, family, and miscellaneous or others, and make an X down in each 20-minute segment slot of where you are spending your time. Were you spending that 20 minutes doing work? Were you spending it on yourself? In other words, doing something to nurture you, spending it on your family, or spending it doing something someone else wanted you to do? Okay? So that, again, writing it down, very powerful. And you want to analyze your time wasters and track your time like this for a full week. You're going to notice how you spend your time and with whom And then do another chart and create a bliss journal entry entitled My Ideal Week and write about what happens, who you're with, and how you feel and where you are. And if you have a lot of X's in that others or miscellaneous category, I want to talk about that. Your time gets taken by other people, and it's often with your permission because nine times out of ten people behave in patterns you train them to do. You train people how to treat you. Yes, you really do. If they're treating you crappy, you've trained them. It's okay to treat you crappy. 
I'm sorry if that lands wrong on your ears, but it is the truth. If you stand fully in your power and completely self-loving, do not allow people to treat you crappy, then that's not going to be your experience in the world. Okay, so just think about that for a second and think about how many times people say, oh, would you do this? Would you do that? Would you do the other thing? And you're thinking, gee, I don't want to be perceived as a bitch. Um, I don't want to, you know, be perceived as that person or, you know, the, the woman who never gives or I don't want to be perceived as a bad girl. That bad girl thing, huge with a lot of us, particularly or if selfish. you grew up That's a, a big one for moms, you know, selfish. Yeah. I don't want to appear selfish. Yeah, selfish, exactly. But there's selfish and there's good selfish and bad selfish. There's the selfish that's entitled and bitchy, and then there's the good selfish. So taking your life back from other people happens when you set boundaries, firm and appropriate boundaries with everybody else. And I'm going to be giving you a lot of the um, references to source material that you can go to, books you can read that will support your journey. And one I'd like to give you right now is to get the book Boundaries, Boundaries by Anne Catherine. And this book has a subtitle of Where you end and I begin, or where I end and you begin. Boundaries where I end and you begin. And it teaches you how to set appropriate boundaries. And when you do that, you're going to find that you're able to take back that time. The PTA asks you to, well, would you bake 97 cookies for the next PTA? Oh, by the way, it's in, you know, in 48 hours. You've got to, you've got to have the cookies to the, to the school by 48 hours. You can say, you know, I really don't have time to do that right now at such short notice. But if you give me plenty of notice next time, I'll need at least a week and a half's notice. I'd be happy to help. That's setting a boundary. And it's doing it in a nice way, not being a bitch. Make sense, Sandy? Well, yeah. You know, but the one thing that I will tell you, and this is like mommy myth, you know, like number 412, <laughs> is that as moms, we're so culturally conditioned and told that, you know, like, we can't say no, like, no somehow mm -hmm. became this dirty word. You know, it's like, I even see my friends and I sometimes we don't tell our kids no, we say, well, we'll see. Or, you know, check with me later and we'll talk about it. You know, we became very, you know, sensitive to this word no, that somehow no is a bad word. And, you know, I, I practice it with myself and I tell my friends, it's like you can tell somebody, no, I can't do that. And you know what? You don't have to give a reason because the minute you give a reason, it puts your life up to the subjective judgment of others, you know, like. I said recently, like, no, I can't volunteer at that event. And I slipped up and I said, you know, because I have, you know, my kids have to be here and here. And the person says, well, you know, I was a single mom, too, you know, for many years. And I just got a sitter. And then I found myself going, well, you know, I really can't afford You're a sitter right now. And, yes. and it's the end of the school year. So the sitters yeah. are really busy, you know, with all the different obligations right. the parents have. Well, I didn't find it that way. I don't know why you're having trouble. And then um, I wanted to smack her. And, you know, you and, can't uh, do that in the front of the point, elementary school. You, you're, you're, you're already giving your power away. So one thing to know is that no is a complete sentence. Practice saying no, and you're going to feel that butterfly in your stomach the first time you do it to somebody you perceive as an authority figure. No. Why? I believe I said no. That's all you need to know. It's not convenient right now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage with you in why. 
They don't need to know. Yeah, it's a per- it's never if good. Ask, if they keep asking, you can say it's a personal decision. And if they say, well, what do you mean by personal decision? Then they just weren't brought up right. <laughs> you know, right. walk Back away. Off, lady. Walk away, right? But no is a complete sentence. No is a complete sentence. And the this is a time this is a way in which we really just don't invest in ourselves. We're investing in other people. We're giving away our time. And I'd like to segue into investing in ourselves because we will spend a whole lot of money on our kids. We will, you know, buy the trip to Disneyland and deny ourselves the uh, wardrobe change that we really need for our professional lives, that kind of thing. Right. Or when we need therapy. I, I can't tell you how many women have come to me and said, you know, I needed to, when I, back when I was a therapist, you know, I really needed to be in therapy for like about 10 years, but I just kind of got to the point where I reached the, you know, the gasket's going to bust. And so I had to come in and, or, you know, cur- currently my coaching clients are, you know, I, I really need to do this impossible thing. I tried everything under the sun to do it, you know, quicker, easier, cheaper. And I just, I can't do this by myself. One of the huge realizations is that we are not islands and we can't do things by ourselves. We can do go a certain piece of the way, but the, and this is, this is absolutely huge is that we are at the point of already capitulating when we have gotten to the point of being an island. Okay, you know that no man is an island thing? So sure. this, is, this is an absolute um, place that we get to where we think that we are not able to cope if we have to reach out to someone else and a lot of us were raised don't reach out that means you look weak that means you look like a wimp or other belief stories quote unquote that we have around that again belief story bs you need to invest in yourself by giving yourself the dignity and respect you would give someone else in a position of authority So think of that person in your life, and maybe that was like, for me, that was my grandmother. I would, you know, we deferred to her. We gave her ultimate respect, ultimate love. We loved her like nobody's business. I I don't know there was a grandmother more loved in the universe, but we loved her. We gave her, we would never disrespect her in any way, not even privately out of her hearing. We just wouldn't do it because we loved her that much, and that that is the love you need to give yourself, the respect you need to give yourself, and the deference you need to give yourself. So when those requests come in, will you do something that goes against basically your personal boundaries? You're just like, oh, of course not. No, 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 no. I can't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Well, you don't need to know the reason why. I've said no. And no is a complete sentence that it really is. And then turn around and don't let your well go dry. Don't let your well go dry. If you need to invest in coaching or therapy, do it. Before you get to that, oh my God, point. If you need to have community around you, look for community. Now we have places you can go. Meetup.com. 
is a place I suggest for everyone. It's, it's pretty much throughout the United States right now. It may be also in, in other areas of the world where you can check online. There's all kinds of affinity groups. If you like knitting or patchworking or, you know, uh, scrapbooking or say you're a WordPress fanatic, or, you know, you like online well, I- computer stuff. Hiking and walking groups and swimming groups, that's what I found down there. Absolutely. Whatever your interest, there is something for you on meetup.com. And if there isn't, you can start your own group and then gain that uh, crowd of folks that are also interested in what you're interested in. I have a friend who's uh, Donnie Davis that does uh, the Gaga Sisterhood, and it's for grandmothers. It's specifically for grandmothers started up like that. And so she was just, you know, had her friends all moved away and gathered this group around her of other grandmothers, and they have a whale of a good time. But that is what we all need. We need support structures, support networks, and if that's getting private one-on-one stuff, if that's getting into a program to teach you how to do these things, if that's like reading a book or books like my book, and I also want to put this out, uh, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And the subtitle of this is Let Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embrace Who You Are, Your Guide to a Wholehearted Life. Fantastic, fantastic work in that book for all of us that have perhaps challenges with investing in ourselves and seeing ourselves, investing ourselves with the dignity and the the self-love and the self-worth to say no to spend money on us, and this goes to the oxygen mask. You remember that, where you're in the plane, you're asked to put your own oxygen mask on before you put your child's on. And in life, we often put the oxygen mask on our child and then die of smoke inhalation ourselves because, you know, we didn't do that for ourselves first. And so there's no one to lead the child out of the plane. And, right, you I both mean, die horrible scenario, but yeah, and you both die. So we need to put that oxygen mask on ourselves first, fill our own well, invest in ourselves first, and stop with the limiting belief stories, the BS. Okay, get up, get out, and get connected. Don't stay isolated. I'd like to just look um, for a moment here, if I can, at the power of beliefs, if we can go there. Yeah. Would that be all right? Because beliefs, 99% of the work I do that we start out with a coaching client in doing that impossible thing they need to do is busting the beliefs that are keeping them from not doing it. So people say, well, I'd lose weight, except, and there's a belief there. Or and a belief is an energy, job. right? Like a thought is an energy. It has like an actual Absolutely. quantifiable, like, kilobyte of something, like, so if you're an energy, like if you help move energy or change energy, don't your thoughts have energy or are your thoughts energy? I get confused on that one. Okay. Well, that, that, that's a great, great question. And let's just go there. So thoughts are energy. When we, when we break it down, this body that we live in is a bioelectrical neurochemical power plant. So it is run on electromagnetic energy that, that sparks back and forth between the neurons in our body and these chemicals that we were talking about, the hormones, both the good ones and the bad ones, that uh, run around and do these various different little jobs. And they are all run at a sub-microscopic level by energy that is you know, invisible to us but that we can modify and 
use to bust beliefs. Beliefs are energy patterns. Remember we spoke about the chemicals that run around in our bodies locking in these beliefs, their experiences, excuse me, negative experiences into our musculature so that we have a knot in our shoulder that pertains to the time that we were in that car accident or something like that, right? The same thing about beliefs, the same bioelectric, uh, electromagnetic, excuse me, neurochemical processes are responsible for our thought patterns. And if we... The word pattern is very pertinent here. If we think a thing again and again and again, remember the belief story, it, it becomes an uh, entrenched belief that this is a truth. It's not just something I was led to believe. It's a truth because we, we believed it again and again and again and again. We had a situation come up again and again and again and again where it was easy to go to that belief story, true or false, in reality, it just became easier to go there and believe that thing like, oh, I can never stand up for myself. Because women in my family have never been able to stand up for themselves. Because every time we stand up for ourselves, we get slapped back. So it's just not possible and I'll never be happy. And see, that's a cascade of negative beliefs that happens there. And it's normal. We think, well, nobody in my family has ever been able to stand up for ourselves. And here's another one. People in my family die of heart attacks at the age of 50, drop, drop straight dead at the age of 50. And look, you know, there's my uncle, there's my aunt, there's my dad that did that, and my, my brother and my, my, you know, aunts, you know, my great aunt and my grandmother. Yeah, we all drop dead at the age of 50. And how much of that is because we believe that we do? And then I had a client that had this belief, and at the age of 49, she started having angina. This is a very healthy, a runner. You know, very healthy woman, ate juiced, ate like a nun, ran, was extremely healthy, and for no apparent reason began to have angina, which is, you know, a heart condition. Anyway, they said, look, there's absolutely no reason you should be having this. She's like, oh, well, I know why I'm having it. It's because everyone in my family drops dead at the age of 50 of a heart attack. And that's when she got referred to me, and we dealt with that limiting belief. Once that was out of the picture, the angina stopped, her heart rhythms normalized, and just this was just from a belief, okay? So how crazy is that, right? Well, that can be a belief that's handed down, like from mother to daughter, father to son, you know. That belief system can take on a generational life. Exactly. That's kind of scary. So how would you like to bust those? Yeah, well, I'm a mommy buster, a mommy myth buster, so absolutely (laughs) rock on. So I have an interesting little process here that is going to take us a few minutes, and it requires that we get get out some... uh, a paper and pen. I need, I need you to get six sheets of paper, and it can be post-its. It doesn't matter. Okay, and I got them right here. This is, uh, we're going to write, um, number them, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. And on number one, put the old belief. Just write old belief. Okay. Number two, willing to change, willing to change. Number two, willing to change. Okay. Number three, museum 
of old beliefs. <laughs> the Museum of Old Beliefs, okay. This, this is the Museum of Old Beliefs process, and it's really cool. Uh, number like four. Lost toys. <laughs> number four, choosing a new belief. Okay. Number five, stepping in. Stepping in. And number six, the new old story. And for everyone who's listening, I want to invite you to get, whether you've downloaded this to your um, iPod or computer, get your finger on the, the, the pause button. And I'm going to go through some steps with you. You're going to lay these pieces of paper out on the floor uh, about a step apart, a step apart. And this goes into the ethos method that I spoke of on the first call. We're going to be stepping into a new belief and empowering that with ethos. So if you're interested in that, this is a little way of how you can use ethos in, to empower other processes. So we've got old belief, willing to change, museum of old beliefs, choosing a new belief, stepping in, and the new old story. Okay. So I want you just to put your hand on your heart and hand on your stomach again. We're going to go to this place again and again and again and again. Get used to it. These are the places of power in your body. They will never lie to you. Your tongue will lie for chocolate, but your heart and your tummy will never lie. By the way, you have three brains, no lie. You have three brains in your body, your heart, your, your brain in your head, your heart, and in your gut. There is actually brain tissue in your gut. You think with your gut. So that's why we go there. Just get up your top limiting belief, the one that really stops you every time. I can never or I will never, th- that one. Okay? okay. We're going to roll through this pretty quick. Um, But again, pause every step of the way and take as much time as you need to absorb. So stand on that first paper, the old belief, and say this old belief aloud. And Sandy, do you have one that you want to share? You don't have to, by the way, but do you have one you want to share or you want to keep it silent? No, no, I'm happy to share it, you know, but... I'm, I I always think like I can never get out of this mess because the mess that I'm in with my Beautiful. divorce, with my kids, with everything going on and the money, every day I fight that whole thing that goes like I will never get out of this mess. I will never be at peace. I will never be happy. I'll never enjoy my kids like other normal families. Like, you know, that chaos has just worn me down. So there's my belief. And I just have seven <laughs> separate beliefs in that one paragraph. So, wow. But we're putting them under the heading of I will never get out of this mess. And folks at home, you get your own belief up and run this again with each of those separate beliefs. And you might find that once you get to the second or third, when the whole rest of that stack just collapses into dust, that's how it tends to happen because your system goes, oh, wait, you want to believe this other thing. Okay, cool. And then the rest of them just don't exist anymore. Isn't that neat? Yeah. So, In the interest of time, we're going to motor on and ask yourself, is this belief true? Yes or no? Hand on heart and stomach because these places will tell you. And let me give you a clue as to how they tell you. 
truth or yes feels light and airy and open and yeah, you know, kind of like that in your heart, in your stomach, we get a feeling, I tend to get this in my stomach more, you may be different, uh, but a lie or an untruth or a no feels heavy or greasy or icky or kind of like a sick stomach, that kind of thing. So you have a truth detector in your body and there it is. So is this true? How true is this? And you might want to say that this is 10% true for me or, or 80% true for me. Or, okay. huh, it actually, it really isn't true. It's a belief story. And if it's that, fine, we're going to go on. And if you need to put it on pause just to consider, do that at any time during this process. Okay, so we're going to go uh, to break now. For those of you listening in who want to hear the rest of how to move forward and change these beliefs and to work with this, you're going to need to tune back in to Powered Up Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Miriam Webster. You can find the next broadcast in this series on PoweredUpTalkRadio.com. You can find it on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. You're going to want to look up Miriam Webster there with an M. You can also go to Toginet.com, T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. I don't know from where you're listening to this broadcast. Uh, this is part two. In our four-part series, so you're going to want to go back and listen to part one if you missed it, and you're going to want to listen to part three because we have our papers on the floor. We've got our old beliefs, our willingness to change. We're going to walk into the Museum of Old Beliefs, and you're going to want to know how to do this because I have done this. It works. I have worked with Miriam Webster on this. You're going to want to find out more about her by going to everywomanchanges.com front slash powered up. She's going to have some cool things there available just for our powered up listeners. When we come back in the next show, we're going to learn what to do with these belief systems. These belief systems is Marianne. So Artfully describe, do not serve us, do not help us, get in our way, make us sick. So when we come back next week, you're going to want to tune in for part four, or I'm sorry, part three with Miriam Webster. This is Sandra Beck from Powered Off Talk Radio. Until next week. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and prominent career, is the brains behind The Real Cougar Woman. She shares her wisdom, grace, and laugh-out-loud opinions based on her stellar successes, both in the financial world and in her personal life. Check out our website, PoweredUpWithBeckAndFranklin.com, and join us next week for another great conversation. We're here every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on Toginet.com.